I haven't heard his stuff for a long time. He's still he's still active. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen it. He, I think he only had like one album out. What sad? Are we on? We're on, right? Yeah, we're on. All right, good. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're on. Uh, so uh, I went to Canada last week. Oh boy, why? To watch a hockey game? My my cousin lives there. Oh, did you get syrup, maple syrup on your way back? We didn't get maple syrup. I should have gotten maple syrup. That's like a Vermont thing. You know? Oh, you went to Canada? I thought you went on business. Wait, isn't no, there no, no, isn't no. there like a maple leaf on their flag? Yeah, that's yeah. that's what that's, that's their true. hallmark that's is ninety five percent of the maple syrup of the world comes from Canada, and five percent comes from Maine Vermont? and Vermont. <laughs> and these places. Doctor Shelley especially knows this because of the Toronto maple leaf. <laughs> that's oh, true. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I know a lot more about Canada than most other. Uh, Americans, just for the sake of hockey, like I knew Quebec where Nordique. I knew I knew for example where Edmonton and Calgary were when I was like eight years old, seven years old. Because of hockey. Because of hockey, Edmonton Oilers. But who watches hockey? I mean, yeah, anyone exactly. sophisticated I know the watches least hockey? About Canada, See, the thing is, not everyone's sophisticated. That's why I don't bring up hockey a lot. Because the NBA so. only has one Canada team, you know. <laughs> so that's. <laughs> Wait, don't they have two? No, they got Vancouver. No, no, and Toronto. That's the Grizzlies now. Memphis. Memphis. Oh, Vancouver went to Memphis. Yeah, that's yeah. a. Yeah. That's a. Far move. In Memphis. Yeah. How does that make yes. sense? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Anyways. Mm-hmm. That's how much they didn't like Canada. <laughs> but wait, I want to return to something. Yeah. Doc, with all, with all due respect, hockey and sophistication is... <laughs> <laughs> Just in case Our game is, is a, a game of speed, style, and toughness. And punching find, find another sport with that combination. Speed, style, toughness? It's yeah. like every other Boxing. Yeah, I can no. say that about Boxing. everything. <laughs> Boxing. Uh, <laughs> not, not as much finesse. Basketball. There's not as much finesse and oh, art and design as in I hockey. disagree. Uh-oh. Like you don't have passing in boxing. Like yeah. a tic-tac-toe play oh, doesn't I'm exist. Gonna, I'm gonna, one of these days, I'm going to show you some Lomachenko videos. And you're gonna, oh, I don't you're know. Gonna go, this guy strategy. is a genius. Yeah. He's, an artist. He's an artist. Soccer is a fun sport. I like it. Uh, it's our sport as brown people. But it is slow. It doesn't compare at all. You could take a nap it's during the game. Created by the British. <laughs> I when when Brazil got creamed by Germany. By. It was Ramadan. Hockey, Native Americans oh, okay. of of Canada. I don't know what their first nations. First nations. Okay. Mm. The so, French. No, <laughs> the first nations. Indigenous. So when Brazil was I playing against Germany, and uh, I was Ramadan two years ago. I was like taking resting on the couch. My son was watching the game on top of me, and and he didn't know much. He was young, so he's like, "Oh, Baba, they scored!" So I put my head up. I was like, "That's strange." Like two minutes in the game, and Germany scored. Yeah, they crushed them. They crushed them. That was like a seven zip game. So, and then I was like, went back to sleep, and then he wake me up. Baba, they scored. I was like, "No, that's a replay, right? That's just the replay." And I look. He's like, "No, I think they scored. It says two. I look up. They scored." Right, mm. they did it again. I was like, "Hey, yo, that's the replay. Let me sleep." He's like, "No, it's a goal." So that's like how bizarre, how slow soccer is. That when they score actual goals, that uh, you know, it's a surprise. So this yeah. is why soccer is the most Islamic of the stupid sports. <laughs> Wait, what we have hadiths on sports, right? Which we prob- should probably share since it's an Islamic uh, podcast. Let's let's do it. Isn't it an Islamic podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'm, I'm bringing it in. <laughs> The most Islamic of the stupid sports. Yeah. The stupid sports. There's manly, chivalrous, you know, fatui sports. Sports. Yeah. Not even sports activities. Um, but soccer is the most right because, sure, you score a goal and it's a little bit of ebb and flow. Like winning by three goals is a blowout. That's a blowout, right? Yeah. And the goals are sometimes you go the whole ninety minutes, ninety minutes zero, plus zero zero, zero yeah. right? But the beauty of the sport is in the progress. It's yeah. in the plays, it's in the passing, it's in the moves, it's in the close calls, 
This is like the, the, the Suluk. What about? Yeah, it's a slow, it takes patience, and a goal is produced from the back 18 and comes up. Like, you never have a fluky, you can have a fluky goal. Yeah, right? like somebody intercepts a, a ball. And yeah, but the, in the pro game, the better the players get, you don't have like an accidental win right. in soccer. You like know? 86 Olympic, um, 86 World Cup, Maradona. Maradona, yeah. When he brings it all the way from behind yeah. midfield. All by himself and takes seven, eight players and the goalie. He's insane, man. He was insane. I mean, what about um, what about Buzkashi? Who? What is that? He just he, came he, from Japan, so no, he's no, bringing no, us that, all this Japanese. No, it's like a Afghani. Like is that with the sheep head? With, with the with sheep, sheep head, they <laughs> buried in the ground. Rambo does it in Rambo Three, <laughs> if you recall. Yeah, a movie that ends with dedicated to the proud and brave Mujahideen <laughs> exactly. of Afghanistan. <laughs> hey, man, that was when that was when we were all about them. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not is, familiar with that. I don't, I don't know the rules either. So I just, I, I was it's hoping like somebody, I was hoping somebody would pick up where I just, you know, threw no, out that. It's word. like polo. You do it on horses. Yeah. You you grab the sheep, and There's a you have to try head. to take it away from the other team. Like yeah. a literal sheep's head. No, okay, it's a sheep. so it's a body. Oh, it's, it's the a body. sheep. Yeah. It's a, I think it's, it's headless. Yeah. Okay. After they slaughter it. So by the way, <laughs> so I don't know all the rules either. But I think the general thing is you get teams on horses. Right. Yeah. And that much. You have to try to get to one side yep. and the other team tries to take it away. It's a from capture you. the flag with a sheep's carcass. For I think, any, right? uh, for any, by the way, Ghani's you know how tender that meat is probably <laughs> when they're done with it. For any of who's listening to this, no, no, uh, yeah, we're sorry. Actually, and yeah, and, and what? please, uh, please tell us how we're wrong. That we're about sitting this here describing educate, like something yeah. that's cultural to them without yeah. having any idea. Exactly. Please and as if we don't us. know any. I mean, Afghan, I mean, Sad's got the machine please, in front of him. Why don't you just educate wiki? us? Why don't you just click it on Wikipedia? That's your... do we even start the podcast? Like, yeah, of course. We've been recording. We actually started. actually no. I don't think you... we've been recording I you so... properly. Hey, assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to the Safina Society podcast, everyone. This is episode three. Uh, I have here with me Elias Lahoz, Dr. Shadil Masri, and Saad Afridi. Uh, today, uh, we're actually talking about um, something that I was thinking about while coming back from Canada. So I actually didn't get to share this with you guys. Um, but uh, the reason why I brought up my Canada trip is uh, on my way back, uh, I started pulling up random podcasts to listen to. I was like, you know, what's I wanted to see other styles of how people were doing things. And, and so you guys ever seen that uh, podcast? You ever hear listen to that podcast, Serial? Oh, yeah. 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 So well, that, for, yep. for a year and then I dropped off. Well, so, the second season was It was terrible. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was the third the one didn't thing, exist. Right? It, they did have a third one. So, well, f- but it was it, very strange. Ultimate, like no one listened to the third one, I don't think. What's the third one? Never even, even know. They changed the name. They called it something else. So Parallel? I was listening to another podcast. It was made. It was made by the American Life. I don't know if I'd recommend it on later. <laughs> um, but as I was listening to it, right, um, I had nothing to listen to. I was like, "Let me check it out." I thought it'd be like cereal, but I actually liked it. I listened to like good five hours of it because I was driving back from Canada. But one thing I realized while listening to it, and it's something I, I want to bring <coughs> up, is the idea of storytelling and you know melodrama. Right? You see a lot of times in our lives today especially as muslims right people don't read books anymore people can't read long articles anymore like i would be hard pressed to find someone who could listen to that podcast for that long right because it's slow it takes a while to build up the characters until you get to like five hours in you know you would be gone by then that's probably Mm -hmm. why nobody listened to it because it takes a long time to actually get to and understand the characters and uh i think we've talked about this before like this uh 
instant gratification sort of you know environment that we live in mm-hmm. right and it's and it's due to that that you know we can't read anymore like it's ridiculous to say you know like but it's like you know when somebody says like well i've been reading recently as mm-hmm. if like you know reading it's is an like accomplishment a, like it's like an accomplishment now yeah. and so like th- there's this there's something i want to talk about today which uh Saad and i have been discussing too it's the idea of like fulfillment Mm-hmm. in in life in general and i think you see it in all walks of life where people can't keep up with uh they're not able to like for example focus anything that on takes one a long thing. time anything that takes a long time that takes like you know a while to derive fulfillment from people are unable to do and i actually that's think that's actually a very bad sign it, it's a very bad sign i actually think it trickles into all forms of life it's not just like oh i can't listen to a long podcast but it's Dude, also you just like, took forever to say that people have short attention spans <laughs> well, he, Yo, he built it i'm into, making a joke he <laughs> built the idea he built the idea into the explanation i was just guys, making a joke about it. that yeah, guy it was, couldn't stand listening to too long it was too long it was, uh, people it was are meta. it was yeah. meta <laughs> People, people. Uh, I did that while I was reading. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't even pay attention. And I'll tell you, I have a hypothesis. I have a hypothesis for that. My hypothesis is that anytime you have a breakdown in authority, the idea of respecting authority, uh, then you have a breakdown in patience, and people don't want to wait. Whereas the only time, the only time people waited, is when some authority figure, some elder figure, advised them highly, like don't go down this route, go down the more uh, pay, more patient route that has experience. We've experienced this, right? Now, with the hippie movement, broke down all those authorities, right? So people don't want to wait anymore, right? People just, uh, there's no one to guide people to say, hold on, don't go down this route. This route is better. Trust me, I've been around the, the block. This route is better. So it oftentimes takes the idea of elders to reinforce the idea of patience, right? Someone with experience to tell us that, hold on, no, no, this, this path is not right. We've tried and tested it, you know? But, like, how does... Uh, and maybe... Uh, I'm sure there has a connection there, but, like, how does um, the influence of respect and elders in a society have anything to do with, like, your personal, like, fulfillment? And because, for exa- because, for example, in order to trust that a long path has good results, you need to have interact with someone who's been down that long path, Right? And that, and when you have the temptation to go down the short, to take the shortcut, who is going to pull you back and say, no, no, don't go down this route. Go down the longer guaranteed route, right? So let's take a simple example. A high school kid gets a job, right? Right. He starts making the 2000 bucks a month or whatever. It might be tempting for him to say, well, why, why would I go to college? I'll just work here. I'm already making money. I'm making more than all my friends who are in college, right? Well, little does he know that he's going to cap off. Okay, whereas college friends are going to surpass him eventually. So the uh, idea of elders is people to advise and real- make people realize that you're not going to, what you think is beneficial for you right now actually isn't. I don't think people could figure that stuff out on their own, right? You need someone who's been around the block to tell you these things. And it's the same thing in Islamic uh, teachers, for example, shiuch, well, because we see the sheikh, and we see that he's an example of guidance, and he's firmly established, right? We trust what he says, that don't go down this route. You know, go down the tried and tested route. So, so, uh, a place that I want to get to, and I want to explain, unfortunately, 
to Alex here. It's it, uh, in order to like get to where I, the point I'm trying to make, I need to unravel for a little bit. I apologize. I was just joking. I'm actually a fan. <laughs> I'm actually a huge fan of the long. Hurry form. up and make your point already. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you ever watch like those really long winded shows where it takes like forever to understand like character development, like The Wire, for example? Right? Uh-huh. Like, it takes like episodes on episodes until like you actually understand a person. But Twin Peaks. <laughs> i've never wire. seen that the, yeah, the wire that's what i was saying you know so um but and, and and as a matter of fact you notice that in life as well right like in order to actually have any fulfillment of anything including the dean yeah. right you need to stick with it you need to hold through, on to it you need to have hurdles. patience and perseverance yeah. and and yeah. things like that and, and one thing that we tend to do uh with our islam is many times romanticize uh, the past, we tend to romanticize current scholars. We tend to romanticize like, oh, I'm having an Iman high or an Iman rush, right? Uh, where, and it's, and I think it's all tied into the concept of like, you know, people just don't have the patience anymore, yeah. right? And, and I think this is not just a. Patience is, the Prophet Sallallahu said, patience is by forcing patience, right? It's by, it's a forced thing. It's like he said, like knowledge. Is not going to come. It's going to come by hard work of learning. Patience is also going to come through hard work uh, or, you know, forcing it. Patience is something that is a huge virtue. If someone has it, they will outdo those who don't have it. Right. And and the thing is, like, I notice it not just uh, in, in the Muslim community. Like, I notice uh, the idea of patience and the idea of, you know, sticking on to something as... Uh, it's it's kind of just lost today. There was an article that I think I'm not sure if you shared it, Doctor Shadi, or if somebody else shared it. Like the idea of saying no to your kids, mm-hmm. right? That you know, there's this whole liberal parenting concept, which is just you know, let's just let your kids do everything. Yeah. And over time, the idea of patience is just gone from them. Yeah. Right. Like le- nowadays, everybody's just like, oh, they have that. Mm-hmm. Like, let's leave your kids alone. Don't yeah. tell mm-hmm. them no. Don't let them you know not do anything. Let them discover yeah. everything. Right. Um, and there was a New York Times piece. Yeah. It's ironic that New York Times wrote it. But like it was in there that, you know, you should say no to your pa- no to your kids. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, the idea of patience yeah. is crazy. It's interesting, though. I, I think even Darsha, you I think you brought this up in like a previous podcast where you said something like if you if you don't ever tell your kids no, they're going to grow up and they're eventually going to hate you because they're going <laughs> to. No, they will. <laughs> because you could have been preventing them from some harm that they may not have known about. Exactly. That later in their life, they blame it on you because Mm -hmm. you didn't prevent them from doing something that you knew was harmful, but they didn't, and you just allowed them to do that, Mm -hmm. right? So they might resent you for that fact, right? Mm -hmm. Like You look at, like, obesity, for example, right? That's in a form... It's in a form, uh, a way of just saying, hey, do whatever you want, right? Eat as much as you want, Um but then later on, that's going to lead to pro- the kid doesn't know, but it's going to lead to problems, health problems later on. And when when it's almost too late, and when habits have have set in and formed, they're going to resent you for uh, for allowing them to, to go overboard. You yeah. know, I I it's that's a great point, and I I hate making this comparison because of the just even the smallest inkling of anthropomorphism, right? But the reality is that Allah. And the Sharia is exactly that. It's Allah preventing us from harm mm-hmm. and preparing us for for the good that we can expect in that the future. That we aren't even aware of. Right. Right. Yeah. right. And we're just we're just we don't have the capacity to. And the fundamental ingredient of that is to recognize that we might not know. 
Like we don't know stuff, right? Yeah. We don't, we have limitations, knowledge, intellectual limitations. We have a lot of limitations. And if you remove that idea from people and make people, you know, resistant to, or people are resistant to the idea that they're limited. Your intellect is limited. Your information is limited. If they're resistant to that idea, then they will be resistant to any advice people give any authority figure that or elder that you know tells them that a certain thing is better than something else and i think that reform movements in islam they're born out of this believe it or not they're born out of this impatience with the process of learning and impatience with uh uh the instructions that are coming from allah impatience in learning the process or the procedures of 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 understanding things and the opposite too the i think we're in a war right a ideological war between reformists right and your regular sunnis right and i think that patience is going to win the day because their uh, approach is so short-sighted the reformist approach is to look at whatever is trending right now and we make the issue about that right whatever is trending so it's so short-sighted and i think it has a lot to do with a lack of patience and the opposite, if you look at any Orthodox tradition, requires patience, whether Orthodox Jewry, Catholicism, and these traditions always win the day over the reformist group, right? Because they have built in them things that you wouldn't necessarily think is going to win you the day. The idea of like focusing on family and community, right? Sticking it out, not changing things. Well, that allows you and gives you something to pass on to the next generation, so then you, you come in waves, Orthodox movements, right, groups, they exist in waves, right, wave after wave after wave, and they wear down all reformist and secular movements. So Kemalism in Turkey, I just went to Turkey this summer, Kemalism is dead. I mean, people are talking about it. It's very common to hear people saying sure. the phrase Kemalism is dead. One of the main reasons, even Western uh, uh, analysts, they say, well, the Kemalists, they're just simply outnumbered. Right. right, they didn't focus. They didn't have a, a third space to gather, like they didn't have a masjid to gather. So where's they didn't have communities? It was purely intellectual movement. They didn't have communities, so they didn't have children. Their children, or they they didn't have like places where their children came together and married one another, and then reproduce re uh, invigorated the idea. Right. Also, they didn't have an actual identity. They were identified by ways they were against. Yeah, and which, which is, is a danger for everybody. Which is what reformism is too. Yeah, it's just like it's just what they're against and what they're for is merely an imitation of uh, Western liberal, uh, you know, trends and movements. Yeah, and 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 the point I was trying to make about like the idea of patience and perseverance is not just something that's in the Muslim community. You actually see it in you know the global community. As a matter of fact, like I don't know if I brought it up on another podcast, but in Norway they have this like idea of slow TV. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, you brought up something that uh, it's like a train, just a train moving. Yeah. So in yeah. Norway, um, slow TV. You, have you ever heard of this? No. It's a train, literally, just so a train. It, it's not just but a that train. That sounds ridiculous. It's not just yeah, a, go train. Look at a train. So yeah. they have they have this thing called. Coincidentally, slow. the first movie was just a train coming at the screen. But go ahead. <laughs> so, 3D. Yeah. So uh, they have this thing called slow TV in Norway, and it's not just in Norway. They've now expanded it other places, but it's this concept of the, the first one that, that really happened was there was a train that went from one end of Norway to another, right? And it was, I think, eight hours. And it 
on the side of the train, there was like a 4K camera or whatever, and they and they streamed it right live. And all it was was a train moving, you know, through the trees and the forest, and you see the sunrise and the day, and it's going through the mountains, and it's just chugging away. Chug, 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 chug. You're and disrespecting just, my country, man. And uh, <laughs> America had that long ago. It's called Yule Log. <laughs> Every Christmas day, you turn it on. Eight hours of a log burning in a fireplace. No, no, and th- no, no. But and this is what it is. And then people will sit there and they say that it was the one of the most watched events in all of Norway. Really? Nor- Norwegian. I'll tell you. I can tell you why people watch it. And I did. I don't know if I watched the same one, but I yeah. did put something on one time. It's a bit relaxing. No, my right? kids were Sounds- doing their homework right yeah. at the table. I was doing some work at the table, and. I just put that on just to see what it was. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you leave it on, you it puts you you get in a trance in what you're doing. And then it like ping the stops, right? The stops will come. Yeah. Right. And then next stop, right? And actually it quieted everyone down. Yeah. Which was pretty weird. And that's and cityscape, the idea of like uh yeah. City noises is like oh, that yeah. too. So yeah. I love noises, working. Rain noises. But that's yeah. like ambient noise that you listen to. But what about like watching? And this isn't it's just like ambient like, visuals. Yeah, so they'll, they'll like watch like a, a boat leaving yeah. the dock and it's okay. just in the water for yeah. like 15 hours. And they'll just sit there and watch Are these that. people never leaving but their house? Do, do people <laughs> watch it straight? Like I can understand watching it for a period of time. I mean, no, that, do, could be, that could have a relaxing effect. No, do they watch it or keep it on the side? Because no, the yeah. way we experience it, we were all doing our stuff. Yeah. And then it would be like, an announcement in Norwegian, which we don't understand. Right. And then it'll be ping, yeah. and then you have arrived at, like, Obensfeld or something The people like marathon this? Like I, Yeah, the, the people will sit there and watch it. Okay. I, I, Just sitting there and watching? So, I, I've, never, I've never seen yeah. them watch it, but, I, like, it it was the most watched event. Yeah. One of the most watched events in Norwegian television. So, like I'm a, assuming it wasn't just in the background, right? Do they like, tune the well, audio that, so that it'll be, like, ASMR well, I feel or something? Like, I, I, I mean, that would be hard to tell, right? If it was on, If it was on, they're probably just... The ratings for that are just measuring whether it's on or not. It could have been in the background. But the point but, is, it, yeah. you know, it exists and not just this yeah. Norwegian train. Rather, right. it's like, you know, a, like a, a whole plethora series. of things okay. now, right? Where people will watch just slow TV. Yeah. Can, can, <laughs> can someone explain to me what is this ASMR? Because sometimes... Oh, yeah. What was that? I ASMR. see this. It it's, stands for. Um, let me pull it up. It is this like autosomal, autosensory auto something. Maybe, yeah. So what is up with this bizarre whispering? I find that totally creepy people, and weird. Yeah. It's not just whispering. Like some people do stuff. Like they'll have like knife sharpening videos. What's that? Like, knife, like sharpening. knife sharpening videos, or like somebody sharpening like. Uh, so have you ever gotten goosebumps? Have you ever gotten like goosebumps, like where the hair on your arm like stands up? Yeah. It's basically the the sounds are supposed to like give uh, you goosebumps. Yeah, like give that effect. That whole of, like, sensation. Like so, like it, it stands for. I, I pulled it up. Um, autonomous sensory meridian response is a term used for an experience characterized by a static like or tingling sensation on the skin that typically begins on the scalp and moves down the back of the neck and the upper spine. Could you tell me (laughs) why is that an achievement to be able to make those noises? No, I don't think it's an achievement. I think people people enjoy listening to it to get that feeling. So do you? it's like the uncanny valley. Do you know about that? Do these people have what? like? What is, what is what it? I know that? what that is, but how does come, that relate? I'll come back to it. Do these yeah. people have like conferences at the Marriott every like year know. to listen to these noises? I don't think so. I can. No, un- they just do it on YouTube. Yeah, right? YouTube I can understand. Yeah. I can understand the background noise to study to, like a train or train or rain or a coffee shop. Yeah, whale sound. But some of these people were whispering. Yeah. in yeah, the that's, video. That's what I'm it like, is. What is yeah, it's all, it's all creepy. Yeah. yeah, it's like if we were to just like start get real. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But, um So the Nor the Norwegian thing. So you you brought that up. What were you going to say about it though? 
about patience. We're talking about patience. <laughs> We're talking yeah, about you started patience. off and you were like, you heard about that Norway slow TV. Uh, so in terms of the idea of patience, what I was saying is I've noticed it recently, you know, in terms of, for some reason, the idea of character development and melodrama, you, you notice it even in, in movies, right? Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you don't have like the yeah. idea of like Hamlet, right? Like there's this, the, the story of like, you know, Hamlet is very simple, you know, but the, it's the character development which actually, you know, pushes the story. We all remember Hamlet. Nobody really cares about the twist in the story or anything like that, right? Um, now, nowadays, right, it's all about, you know, bang, bang, action, plot twist, you yeah. know, Game of Thrones, like right. dragons. Like you have to see things, right? It's yeah. not just about character development anymore. There's nothing simple about the story of Hamlet. It's, By the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, for its but, day, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, you know, sorry. I, sorry. My, the point I was making, right, is the the idea of like melodrama, melodramatic yeah. stories, right? Yeah. Um, now you see this degradation, not just in you know people, but you see it in stories. You see it in uh, even the way we understand, you know, our Islamic deen, right? Like people are impatient with like their dua being answered. Mm-hmm. Like there's just this degradation of patience that you yeah. see yeah. Um, over time. For some reason, I don't know, I've just been uh, noticing this, especially with a lot of, like, you know, stories and or shows or movies or whatever, yeah. right? Like, yeah. back in the day, you know, you talk about, you know, stories from, like, a hundred years ago. You see this great, these great characters being, you know, yeah. depicted and talked about and, and brought to life. And now, like, you have, you know, like, the trashiest yeah. people, like, you know, or, or the trashiest characters. Nobody remembers these people, yes. you know, five years later. Yeah. What'd you say, Alex? He said Chavs. What about Chavs? Trashiest people. Trashiest people. Yeah. Was that? I I guess it was like it was an example. So so what are Chavs again? Are those like like those British? I don't know if it's an appropriate term to use. So I I might be saying something. uh, You've now already said it. So I don't don't, know. I don't don't think it's a general term. Like like you you, you're saying like you think it might be a slur or something. I think it is. Well, you could look that up. Yeah. There, Can what, you look that up? I don't, I don't that think it's like a, a. What is tied to any like ethnicity? It's, or a, it's the British youth that I with the sport outfits yeah. and the chain, right? And like the the track pants, track suit. I got into a fight with some chavs. <laughs> Means uh, twice in England, I got into a, a fight pejorative with epithet used in Britain to describe yeah. a particular stereotype of antisocial yeah. youth dressed in sportswear. I'll there tell you, it, when I was in England, it's going to be the when I was in England. There was a lady named Catherine podcast. No, the, <laughs> <laughs> there was a lady named Catherine Tate. I can't remember okay. uh, who her character. She played a, I guess, what you call female chap. Yeah, I don't know. What, I don't know what they're called. Chavette. No, no, no. Chive. Oh, it actually says Chavette in the wiki page. Yeah, wow, I just, I just made that up too. <laughs> it goes to show you the amount of thought that goes into these things when you just thought of it two seconds ago. And here we're talking about like it's something official, right? It's some Listen, apologies to our British listeners, but is it yeah. is it like a soccer hooligan that doesn't like soccer or something? The running it's tally like of a... apologies is Afghani's British. So we're gonna, <laughs> uh, we st- no, we're not perhaps. Oh man. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So patience. So this is what happened with me. I actually uh, d- doing graduate school and being in university for ten years in a row, graduate school and, and writing the dissertation, and everything. I came out of graduate school having been so into you know just reading all day, reading, writing all day. Uh, I didn't watch TV. YouTube hadn't come out until halfway through. I wasn't online. I didn't have a computer at home. We had to go downstairs to uh, get your email. And 
I came out of graduate school really not relating to anyone in the quote in, in the outside world, anyone outside of academic the academic world. I couldn't relate to. So I felt if you're in the field of Dawah and Islam is is all Imam Haddad is all about to your knowledge has to be shared. You have to interact with people, right? So I realized I have to do something drastic here, and I actually made a commitment, not a really commitment, like a like a a plan. I stopped reading. I stopped reading just so that I could start interacting with the common folk, quote unquote, right? So I would do things, watch things, hang out with people who were uneducated. What is it? Right? Not educated. Like they don't people don't who don't read. Chat. Right? <laughs> <laughs> people who don't read, right? And trying to see how they think. And I realized people who are non let's say unlettered even if they're functionally literate, right? Yeah. But they're in generally unlettered, right? Uh, they they have a very sharp, emotive, and instinctive uh, attribute mm. to them, to their personality, right? And it's a total different skill that over it took me ten like ten years through this, right? To learn it, to figure it out, and then I felt like I actually went overboard. I went overboard in this, right? And I'm actually coming back, and now. Uh, this idea of uh, patience as a way of gratification, it's sort of like I'm back onto that track. And every evening I shut down all my, all, you know, all technology. And I just have, I always have two, three books that I'm reading at any given time. Right. And I'm telling you, a, there is nothing sweeter and better and more peaceful than like a really well-written book. Mm. Right. And you get so deep that actually when I go to movies, like when I watch a documentary or a movie or, or or anything, I feel like it's so cheap and shallow. Yeah, that I'm totally not satisfied. What do you read? You read like fiction or is like nonfiction? No, I don't read fiction for some, not like for any ethical reason. I'm just not attracted to fiction. I'm usually attracted to biographies of people, mm. right? Like um, dictators. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but for some reason, my bookshelf is filled with <laughs> dictators, right? No. And, and I mean, these are the men that are making history. Man. Aggressive oh, personalities. Stalin. But uh, who wants to read a book about Jimmy Carter? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a book wow. that you can buy in Costco for four ninety nine, right? Any anything that's in Costco. My, my life on the peanut farm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, Jimmy uh, Carter got some shade this episode too. <laughs> I apologize to Jimmy Carter, who who in addition to being a peanut farmer was also a nuclear scientist <laughs> and a Sunday school teacher throughout his presidency. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Huh. So he uh so so reading those going through those books it's like being in another world for that hour that you're reading or 30 minutes that you're reading and I think that people they need to practice it because it really changes you it makes you calmer right? it does it actually helps you sleep better too if you notice the web and the phone and the computer it actually disrupts your sleep yeah. you don't sleep well at all like if you stay up reading for the first hour you're just li- you're in your bed looking at your phone and yeah. then you go to sleep. And then when you wake up, that's also the first thing you do for like another yeah. 20 minutes before you get up. If you know, if you read until like, let's say one in the morning and you need to actually sleep, you still sleep heavily. Yeah. But if you are on your phone until like one or two in the morning, it's, uh, you're completely disrupted. Yeah. Right. There is something to the restful state of the eye looking merely at ink on paper. Cause that's mm-hmm. all your, your eye is rested. In fact, if you think about it, Whereas on the phone, your eye is working, 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 right? Can you just get a Kindle paperwhite? That's no? what I have. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I don't I know. I've never actually seen one in real life. I, I have know. a Kindle paperwhite, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think people have to get used to that. And I but think, I, But I think it's more than, I, I know, like, sorry, 
but I think it's more than just the uh, like the the medium in that situation, right? Like your phone offers like endless possibilities, endless paths of information that tangents that you can go on that that causes like distractions in you're your totally mind, right you're right totally whereas right. in a book it's a very structured narrative or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is a written piece that's the pacing is all yep. set and controlled by the author yep right so i think it's also that factors into it more than mm-hmm. or equally than you know point alex counterpoint about to say, uh, alex about to say something point mm-hmm. counterpoint it's actually more like you are 24 7 sitting in a research library yeah if you do if you do it right now people can sit in a, in a research library and read garbage yeah mm-hmm. right but mm-hmm. if you're using your time right you can actually access stuff that no that right would, would have taken you mean online yeah. you mean online yeah yeah, yeah. you have yeah. access to I all mean, of it i mean that, that's why like uh now if you're looking at cat memes <laughs> what percentage <laughs> what percentage of people out there do you think have developed the discipline to be online and make use of time online, especially when they're tired, right? Because you know when you're tired, your judgment is different, right? Zero. It's going to be less than one person. Less yeah. than one person. Besides I would Alex, agree with I that. Know no, no, no. Also, <laughs> also, I wasn't talking about in me. that analogy. Research labs are often filled with, like you know, decently smart people. Phones are in the hands of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you something. Let me tell you what. If you were benefiting at all from the web, let me tell you what destroyed it. These ridiculous gimmicky ads at the bottom that tell you, look at your favorite 90s actress, what he looks like today. Actor, what he looks like today. Or who are the 10 richest sports stars today? Doctors hate this, yeah, this, exactly. this new yeah. product. Doctor, it'll, make exactly. You, it'll make you tall, Doctors skinny, strong. <laughs> Ten things that like, yeah. yeah, the BuzzFeed type articles. Oh my yeah. gosh, I hate those it's things. Listicles. It's like this, yeah. this, this girl fell off the ledge. Exactly. What she did next. I know. You won't even believe. You. And, and yeah. the thing is, too, exactly. with like, re- respectable. So she went to the hospital. I could believe it. <laughs> res- respectable uh, paper publications have this. Right. Like, I think in New York Times, yeah, yeah, bottom yeah. of the yeah, articles, this junk exists. I mean, it's ad space. Yeah. It's like, it's it's outlinks to other yeah. or other you know m- mediums articles whatever yeah um and they just pay for let me tell you I what thought you said it was respectable publications <laughs> <'Cause> that <laughs> rack let me tell you what <laughs> let me tell you and i want to hear alex your opinion on this i'm waiting if you have an opinion uh and sad too out of politeness <laughs> <laughs> it's okay but uh, sad i apologize it, nobody, on dr shay yeah. <laughs> we just call this nobody, the apology nobody, nobody, podcast nobody wants to hear my opinions it's all right <laughs> what do you, I, like, I like it better that way i met i met a guy yesterday new york hat chance meeting uh works for the atlantic monthly what do you think atlantic monthly it depends on who wrote do you the find the articles interesting some of them and some of them are garbage propaganda I mean, it really depends on the author. Writer, right? yeah, some of it's them are like, good. Sorry, guys. Yeah, some of the Atlantic Monthly articles are good, but some of it... Most it's of like Salon, right? Yeah. Remember Salon.com? Salon, Slate. Remember it? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like totally... So they had a couple of interesting people. They had uh, Alexander Cockburn, I think, used to write there sometimes. And Glenn Greenwald. Yeah. yeah. Right? So it depends on who but they Salon, are. But the rest Salon of them are idiots. And, uh, Salon and Slate, aren't they more like trendy, newsy types of things? Salon used to do a little more in-depth stuff, yeah. which is why they would give space to people like like that. Greenwald. So, Greenwald. but but Atlantic, the Atlantic Monthly, it seems like these are like academics writing down writing ideas, yeah, but excerpts it, of books. So what I, what I say is it depends on who. Uh, nobody's stupid, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah, it depends on how you define that. Yeah. But so like you, you could just to give an example, you could find Bernard Lewis writing an article on the Middle East. <laughs> 
Yeah. Right. Do they maybe, have maybe they've 40 had, years ago when he was still like, you yeah. know, thinking. They've touched nerves a couple times, the Atlantic Monthly. Yeah. And sometimes they'll have somebody reasonable. Yeah. In terms of Islamic uh, study stuff. Or, they, or in politics in general or culture in general. Like the Atlantic Monthly actually has yeah. some useful articles. Which is, you know, it's not like it's not like some of these other websites like Huffington Post that you should never read anything on there. Yeah, it's just great. Or even some of the Islamic ones, right? Yeah. Like uh, the views about to be expressed do not necessarily reflect Safina Society, Safina Society <laughs> podcast, yeah. Moeen Saad, or yeah. Dr. Shadi Al-Masri, PhD. Like MuslimGirl.com or whatever the, and the Earl is. Yeah. It's garbage. This, these things are promoted by some lab outside of out, out of California that are that are pushed, and I think the the state right State Department is pushing a type of reform movement. Right? Yeah, I, I, think I really think there's so. this whole thing going on, and there, there's an article recently I think on BuzzFeed or one of those mm-hmm. uh, one of those sites about this organization that does a lot of funding, mm-hmm. and they're trying to. It's like. They have a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's oh, ten oh, pillars. You won't pillars. believe pillars. what happens yeah. next. It's called pillars, <laughs> yeah. and what they do is they fund stuff that, uh, you know, their 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 mission statement is to promote Islam within the society, mm-hmm. normalize whatever, right? Uh, pro- pro- provide different views or images of the Muslims. You know, the whole. Yeah. Do, do, do they have a liberal uh, a slant, a reform slant? What Muslim doesn't nowadays? Mm. Just just uh, Thomas. Yeah. Shout out. Who? <laughs> Tom. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know who that is. You know Tom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that yeah. guy. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, so we were talking. I'm not going to shout out his last name oh, just because. That's, cause, that's but, true. Of yeah. course. Um, so what we were saying, um, th- you brought up the idea of like, I think Saad said it's not just about the medium, right? Like it's not just like the phone or anything. I think the idea of reading in general, even if you're just reading long, in-depth articles online, <clears throat> the idea of engrossing yourself in something and, you know, pulling it apart and thinking deeply about mm-hmm. it, I think it just doesn't happen that often, right? And you and it, and it brings to mind, you know, the verses of the Quran, you know, like ponder deeply, think deeply, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, those who ponder. Like, I feel like people just don't do that. Let me, let me add another element to it. I think there's a spiritual element to it too. Namely that if you are satisfied in life and you're not chasing and you're not trying to get people's, someone's approval or someone, some quick emotional high, then you can read. Yeah. If you are chasing... Then you're gonna go online mm-hmm. to see who's liking your post, who's hearting your post, who's doing what, who's doing that, and that ridiculousness. That really, to me, it stems from emotional uh, a lack of meaning and some instability and insecurity about one's uh, position in the world and in life. I really think that uh, that's a big driver of why people go on uh, social media. What in the world? What in the world know. are you doing, man? <laughs> this, this guy's playing the guitar on, on the spring. <laughs> no, it was uh, <laughs> the spring it's the mic. It's the uh, mic. Yeah. Okay. It was so locked. so I, th- I actually think that a lot of things that drive social media is emptiness, spiritual emptiness, believe it or not. Yeah. So just to, and staying with this topic, right? I just wanted to close out that pillars thing because it's actually mm-hmm. related. So it's not just, it's not just that there's a general liberal leaner, mm-hmm. but there's, so... I won't go too deep into the because people don't have people have a short attention span, but <laughs> the people that run that organization as well as other similar funds, um, they're not just kind of liberal. There's also <clears throat> a lot of attachments to government, so they would mm-hmm. would have previously worked with the State Department, mm-hmm. been a member of state, received funding from you know some program or other from the government, whether it's CVE. Mm-hmm. Or State Department directly, mm-hmm. or this, you know, trying to spread. Like, do you remember? Do you guys remember when uh, under Clinton's, uh, when when Clinton was Secretary of State, they did a 
rap concert tour of the Middle East. I remember that. Yeah, was it was it Obama time or Clinton time or Bush time? Obama time. Obama time. Yeah. Yeah, it was Obama time, and they just got a bunch of like, yeah, m- uh, mediocre mm-hmm. American Muslim rappers. Muslim rappers and stuff. And stuff. Yeah. Like you could have sent Most Def and yeah. <laughs> Lupe Fiasco. They're most yeah. Q-Tip yeah. or something, yeah. right? But they they actually sent like Ice Cube, just, all the rappers. Yeah, but they basically. <laughs> but instead, what they did is they found guys who who didn't even weren't even original. They were just like rapping over someone else's beat and changing oh, okay. two or three words to halalify it. Yeah. The precursors to those guys um, Dean from Squad? Canada, yeah, precursors to Dean Squad, yeah. but Dean Squad type level yeah. uh, artistry. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> there's apologies. The level, the level of which we won't specify. I'm not. A, yeah. I'm yeah. not apologizing. Yeah, we, <laughs> I've reached my limit of apologies yeah. when it comes to that. So all all of that is to say that the hand of our government, no matter what administration is in charge, is very much in who is shaping this idea, who's pushing this agenda. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of it is done through pop media and social media. So you do a Mipsters video, you do uh, um, whatever, Mona, whatever her name is, mm-hmm. horrible rap videos. And who, who are some of these? No uh, apologies. Like what are, the thing is like, we, I think people do have the right to know like who's paying yeah. for the stuff that they're ingesting, right? The uh, well, idea. so the, like, so the director who, who directs Mona's video is like some some Jewish director guy from uh, Brooklyn or something, right? Who has previously worked with some other Israeli... It's like it's a whole thing, right? Yeah. And by the way, Zionism is... Or like normalizing Zionism is always part of the agenda in this game. Yep. Right? So you're going to find that a lot of those participants, like Mona Hadar, um, like uh, the the serial, whatever her name is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chowdhury. They're also part of like Salam Shalom. Which, which is, is like totally this. Normal, oh, really? Yeah. Which yeah. has a rule that you can't talk about, you can't talk about Israel-Palestine with somebody of the other side yeah. for at least six months. Now, to just yeah. counter that though, like is that, is that what? you know... <laughs> Is that you know more conspiratorial or is, is no? I mean, know, I'm just stating that's facts. why that's why I'm saying if you trace the money, right? Right. Like we, which is traceable. Why, why can't we? If it's a noble thing that they're doing, then why don't we know who is funding these things, right? If no, it's, it's a noble like, thing, it's you the Doris Duke Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the State Department who mm-hmm. gives grants, yeah. like, and I'm, we're talking about like several hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. It's CBE money that some of that is not yeah. reported, but some of it is very reportable. Right, it's that kind of thing. And if you look at when you you brought up the issue of patience, if you look at it from a patient lens, from a zoom out lens, if you zoom out a little bit, this whole movement, regard with all these funds, even if this the whole United States was backing it, right? Government uh, was really backing this uh, reform with millions of dollars, right? If you look at if you zoom out from a historical perspective and you and you and you compare, you realize let them do it; they're not going to alter. Right, that you're not going. Yeah, to, it's not going to work. Right. I mean, no one had more of a grip on the minds of their people than the Kamalists in Turkey, and less than a hundred years later, that thing is done. So right? I'm not worried about them succeeding. I'm worried about the people that are going to fall in the meanwhile. You're right. Yeah, right. And, and because they are also these these same people. So like Wajahir Ali and those. Yeah. There's they're writing books about my sexual experiences as a teen or yeah. her own Mughal, right? Or my uh, <laughs> my my dating non-Muslim men and. Yeah. Like it's, it's you a can, trend, and it's yeah. not it's not coincidental, and it's not oh the society is opening up because all these people interact, all these people have funding from the same foundations. This yeah. is, and that's not a conspiracy. Like somebody's paying, yeah. and and it's the and we same, know who it is the mm-hmm. same type of people who are being affected, 
you know, buy a lot of this are, I would say, the same type of people who don't read that often, who don't think deeply about things, yeah. who are not. I mean, and there might or be. Or reading HuffPo articles and being yeah, like, more gay people. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> why, can't, no, why can't Muslim women marry non Muslim men? What's wrong with mm-hmm. that? All these things, then, uh, or anyone who does not have the patience to sit and, and the humility, and the humility to actually. Yeah learn the procedures of how rulings are derived yeah. in our deen, we'll just go down that route. Which reminds me of, we have yet another round of, hey, Islam is supposed to be easy, and if you live in the West, you can take easy rulings, and yeah. you don't have to follow madhab at all. Oh, let me point that out, that because uh, that idea that you brought up... It's like round 18 of that. Yeah, that idea that you brought up, which was promoted by uh, Dr. Akram Nadwi, right? Right. And uh, Nahim Abuli. Okay. Right. This idea, we, we do have sort of, I guess you could say, rules on how and when, or principles, I should say. Principles is the right word, of how and when to take minority opinions. And it's very simple. You take the majority opinion because that's what's safer. Like you, you, A few minds is not going to be correct in Islam, in scholarship, over thousands of minds who looked at the evidences. Right, Quran itself tells us the jama'ah, Right, Sabil al Mu'minin, Surah al Nisa, right? Or Al Imran, or Surah Baqarah, Fatiha Baqarah, Al Imran, Nisa, 114, A115, I might be mistaken on that, but it's A115. Sabil al Mu'minin, Allah, and the Prophet said, the Jama'ah of the Muslim scholars, the Jumuhur of the scholars, right? And he says, Al Ummah, right? they will not agree upon a misguidance. So this is why the majority opinion is what we go upon, unless there is a dire need, or of course, life and death. Life and death, you can do something forbidden. So if there is a dire need for the community or for an individual, then we go down to the minority opinion. And I think we should consider that. Reason being is, if you want to be safe, fire is something that we're always safe with, right? Like we are super safe in society with fire. The whole idea of deen is to be safe regarding an eternal fire, right? So this is the idea and the principles. If anyone's wondering, there are a couple of uh, uh, basic parameters around which we can then dip into minority opinions. Sheikh, I will say, just yep. to clarify in Dr. Uh, Akram's defense... Because a so, lot of people were surprised about Well, he did he say, in that. And, and maybe... He didn't emphasize it in a way that people caught on, yeah. but he did say directly, if you're a mujtahid, mm-hmm. right, you you go off and make the decision, pick from among the rulings and mm-hmm. take the easier one, or go to someone who is and ask them and they should give you the easier ruling. One of the things that, it's kind of true, right, about a mufti. If you're a mujtahid, that's total yeah, different And rules. if you're a mufti, you're supposed to be trying to fix people's lives, not giving them just that's correct. fatwas from a that's book. That's totally different than the, the what was presented. Yeah, and well, both of those, inc- well, he mentioned those things. Yeah. Not with emphasis, but he mentioned. But then, you know, to his yeah. discredit, he did say the furu of like wudu and stuff. Yeah. These things are unimportant wow. or of no importance. Wow. And like, I understand that English is not his first language, but what that implies is very is 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 problematic. Yeah, because um, many of the ulama have talked about uh, the idea that chasing after the easy opinions. In every matter, actually leads to corruption and weakness of taqwa. Yeah, straight down. Because our deen is pushing us. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala pushes us. We are we're being pushed to, and you be pushed to become better, to be stronger, right? And for what benefits you? I mean, would you like to go have a military for your country? If you're the king, let's say, and you go to check, let me go check on the army, and you find the general who's supposed to be training your soldiers 
get, take a half day, right? Or you, you can't do 10 push-ups, do five, right? Well, that happens too. <laughs> well, I, I mean, and that's almost the equivalent of what yeah. we were saying with like, you know, you can't just say yes to your kids about everything. I mean, it it's goes the same, the same idea. Right, same, same idea. idea. Yeah. Right, that you, you have to have some boundaries. Standards. You have to have a standard to shoot at. I was talking to a brother the other day, and he said, well, the standards are too difficult. Maybe we should all we should lower them by looking for minority pins. I said, no. No, you I, should fail until you I would. Yeah, I would much rather say, no, I actually am a sinner. That's the standard. I'm not touching the standard. I'm the sinner. May Allah make me strong. Abdul Hassan al-Shadli said, don't ever say, uh, I'm weak. Say, may Allah make me stronger. I mean, right? Yeah. So I would much rather keep the standard up. Don't touch the standard because that's not yours to touch. Right? The deen is not yours to change. I remember one, someone once uh, having to, being put on the spot and saying, what was your opinion on something like uh, uh, gay marriage and, or inheritance? That's what it was, the inheritance. And they gave a great answer, right? They said, are you going to modernize inheritance and give the daughters and sons an equal amount? And their answer was, it's not my law to change. Right. That's the best answer because this, this religion is not ours to change. So I say, don't touch it. Just say, I'm weak, right? Or you got a little habit of your own on the side. Keep it to yourself on the side. Don't try to justify it, right? You are better off, you have more cognitive dissonance when you try to change the law, right? Because at that point, any law that you don't like, you've set the precedent that you're going to change it. So you're really just worshiping yourself at yeah. that point. And there's it's a, a thing. It becomes a religion of convenience. Not only that, there's this thing that happens, right? Which it's so difficult for me to even imagine it. Even if somebody writes a book and says, well, now wine is halal. Mm-hmm. That doesn't change the ruling with Allah. Yeah, like you can get as many muftis in the world to say something ridiculous, mm-hmm. and in fact, many of them do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that the ruling with Allah has changed. Yeah. On the day of judgment, you still did it. Yeah. So better off doing it, knowing it's haram, and trying to fix it, exactly, than doing it thinking now it's permissible in 2017. Yeah. Things are different, and then dying upon them, mm-hmm. and with no effort to reform. You become a uh, what they call ashabul ahwa, people of whims, mm. right? So you it is. Every bar that you don't like, that you can't take, why can't you just take the reality that I can't attain the bar? Like, we can't attain a lot of things. I'll never go be a doctor. I'll never, right? I'll, there's a lot of things that I'll never do. I'll never probably be, uh, you know, in prime physical fitness. Like, I don't feel, I feel like a bit crummy about right. that. A little bit crummy, right? Technology is but I'm not going to. <laughs> but I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go and say, well, you know, these charts, these height and weight charts are all wrong, right? Why don't we do that? You know, well, you know they do that. You know, there's a <laughs> health at every size movement. Or yeah, there are you kidding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, you know <laughs> It's called... Uh, You're actually perfectly healthy right now. Health You're at every size, no? Yeah, well, there's that. I'm and it's it. it's also called... Uh, yeah, so health this, at every size. One. Basically, it's saying you could be t- what any doctor would consider morbidly obese. Yeah. And they'd be like, hey, that's your natural size of your body and you should yeah. be, like, proud of it. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, our civilization is getting more ridiculous every I have, year. I have, a, I'm I have telling a, you, I have a solution for all this. Now I'll yeah. bring it back later because I think Maureen has to say something. No, 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 no. no. go keep going. All right, so uh, <laughs> yeah, so you have that 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 if you can be fit at any size yeah. type thing. There's also this, this sure, thing. That, I feel like that movement has been like summarily dismissed in any sort of no. Really? How dare you fat shame people? <laughs> fat shaming is the thing. Um, there's also this thing called vanity sizing, uh-huh. which is which is uh, it's mostly women's clothing, but I'm sure men's clothing is right around it's the like corner. How to determine the size of the vanity? Stop to mansplaining. Put in your <laughs> no, no, I'm not mansplaining. Like in women's <laughs> clothing designers, 
they will take something that like a dress size you know the dress size is like two four six right yeah. something that's actually a six and call it like a two <laughs> so that women who so are this, a trans size six feel better so this is trans sizing now trans sizing yeah <laughs> so they just it's just like you know men's sizes are the, the is, are like your belt size it's the number yeah. of inches literally yeah. so if you're a 34 when, and you go to the store and you buy 34 led, pants yeah. they should be 34 so, so how has that not led to so much confusion like imagine going to one store and well 34 ever, is equal to a 36 the thing is you're not married they, right <laughs> so no if i go to a store i know my size i look at it if it's the right color i buy it and i leave i never try. women try and Everything mm. they buy before they buy. Let me sure. let me uh, then ask. Well, why not alter all the mirrors? Right, get they a convex or convex. They do already. Are you have serious? That. Yeah, they they do that in a lot of uh, to make the make you look slimmer. Yeah, oh or they change smart, the lighting. Smartphone yeah. cameras have that already too. Where like if you the newer smartphone cameras, they'll make your face slimmer, like in the camera, like live. Wow. Oh, so for like they will have them too. They will they will make blur your out your blemishes, make your eyes bigger. And it'll be yeah. like while like you're taking the photo. No, it won't great. be like afterwards. So it'll pretty be like, soon so it'll be automatic wow. for Instagram. Yeah. So yeah. you could just be like. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing contradictions here. On the one hand, they're telling us that weight and size doesn't matter. On the other hand, they're actually telling us it does matter because, because otherwise because you wouldn't both, want. Because both are lying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, the thing that I was going to say is we started out this podcast before we even were recording uh, talking about sports and how there's. There's halal stupid sports, mm-hmm. and then there's bad stupid sports, and then there's actual physical activities that are from the sunnah. Yeah. Uh, Ibn Qayyim al Jawziyah has a book called uh, Al Furusiyah, mm-hmm. um, which is like the horsemanship arts. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Kitab al Furusiyah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, like, uh, like horse riding, lance, like with a lance, fighting with a lance, yeah. swordsmanship, and bow and arrow on the horse. Mm-hmm. And he also discusses like the other things from the famous hadith. Yeah. Everything except four, four things is idle. Batan. Yeah, yeah it's Batan, right? Batan meaning here that uh, it has nothing relevant in itself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's haram, like to, you can't, it's not haram, but in itself has no meaning. Whereas all those other sports, which was wrestling, uh, archery, swimming, and horseback riding, these four things, archery, these four things have function in themselves. That means when the apocalypse happens, if you know how to do these four <laughs> things, you will be more valuable than a football player, a basketball player. For sure. Yeah. A, a gamer, right? Because th- those other things might keep you physically fit, might bring you together with your friends, might keep you out of trouble, right? So they're not saying that they have no... F- you remember Sheikh Sha'rawi defined la'ib as play that has a benefit other than itself, that inside of itself, it's nothing, Right. right. But outside of itself, it may give you some other good things. And by the way, mm. if you want, because some people are like, well, that was back then. Yeah. This is now. They didn't know about basketball. <laughs> they didn't know how great football is, right? <laughs> and I would be saying that the Prophet yeah. didn't know something as stupid as that, right? <laughs> like that's going to decrease. And that football is somehow great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it causes um, like but, so many brain disorders. Well, but so the interesting thing is to the football fans for for people who <laughs> are true. like, well, we live in modern times, and this is like people know about this stuff now. Yeah, people of substance, people who run the world, people who have inherited tremendous power, mm-hmm. they don't play basketball and football and soccer. They do archery. They do fencing. They do equestrian stuff. Right? They swim. Sure. They engage in exactly these arts because there's something actually good 
in and of themselves, right? And the Prophet was just identifying them for the Sahaba and mm-hmm. through them, through their descendants for us. But these things have, yeah, horse riding, archery, fencing. These things have actual real yeah. benefit. Horses are actually spiritually amazing too because yeah. uh, people who are suffering from various emotional uh, traumas, just in being in the presence of horses, doing the chores around the horses, like uh, what combing it, feeding it, all of those things are actually considered, if you look it up, uh, as forms of therapy, believe yeah. it or not. And a horse people is an amazing nervous. type of animal. Like we yeah. interact, like I have a cat laying over, it's... You know, it was running around making noise and now it's sleeping on yeah. my rug, shedding hair on it. Yeah. But horses have actual functionality, right? Mm-hmm. And they're more powerful than you, but they submit to you. Yeah. Like there's a whole beautiful thing about horses. And yeah. there's many hadith, by the way, about the Prophet ﷺ, his relationship with his animals. He named all of them. Mm-hmm. And his relationship with them was really amazing and deep. In fact, his donkey... His like donkey that he was his personal donkey. Mm-hmm. After he died to Allah, after he returned to Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that donkey threw himself in a well. Subhanallah. Because what is there after having been the donkey of the Messenger of Allah? What else are you going to do? Subhanallah. It's like how the the Ummahat al Mu'minin, yeah, anha, never they never married after him. Because why? Yeah. The mothers of the. Who are you going to marry? Right. Yeah. And they can't marry anyway, right? Because you're the mother. But the even mothers. if that's not a rule, what yeah. you, Subhanallah. Yeah. yeah. It's all downhill from there. It's indeed. So um, now, in terms of the idea of, you know, patience, right? Mm-hmm. And and we talked about a lot of things, right? Uh, and people without patience probably lost track of things <laughs> and, and left. But, um, you know, how do you counteract that today then? You know, like especially as Muslims, That's what I just right? said. Mm-hmm. By the way, I brought that up not just to say, hey, we have these things. So you should do those types of sports. Those right, because sports. first of all, archery, you know how hard it is to hit a target? It's mm. hard. It takes people sometimes months just to get on the target, mm. right? Mm. Especially if they're shooting from a, from a distance and mm. they're using like a... Uh, like compound bow? No, the compound bow is very easy, right? Yeah. yeah, but if you're using like a recurve or something, right? Yeah. It takes a long time to master that. And I'm telling you, you want to teach someone patience. Actual hunting. I did in middle school. Right, hunting. Actual hunting. Which is something else that, the, that royalty and people yeah. of power do. Like they do it. It, and they don't do it because I'm really hungry for that meat or I'm murderous and I want to kill yeah. furry animals. They do it because there's something in hunting. It takes um, hours before you your deer passes by, right? I mean, I mean, you, and you have to stay quiet for hours. I've been hunting turkeys for five years now, mm. maybe a little bit more. No, about five years. With what? Chuckle. Oh, oh, okay. But I haven't. I still haven't got one because yeah. hunting turkey is going out into the woods before the yeah. sun comes up and calling them. Oh. And sitting and waiting, and I haven't even. I saw one. And yeah. It was a female. How do you was, call? Them? How do you call a turkey? With a turkey call. Is there like? Oh, is, there, is, there ridiculous is there a machine sounding? or no, like you a have whistle. a thing or so you there's, make it? There's there's different. You can't use a machine in New Jersey. It's illegal. You can't use like an electronic call. Okay. So there's there's like these rubber and plastic things that you put in your yeah, mouth. It's a whistle. Yeah. Right. A, that emulates the call of the turkey. Yeah. Or, or um, there's also like a scratch call. Yeah. That will. Right, it makes uh, like that noise. Yeah. Um, and there's also like a box. It's a wood. It's just a wooden box with chalk. Yeah. But as the two s- the the wood slides against it ch- yeah. itself, it makes like a clucking noise. Interesting. Mm. He's gonna go get it. He's, gonna, he's yeah. going to show us. We're yeah. getting the turkey call. Yeah. <laughs> call. <laughs> so, uh, so for our audience, Alex is showing us this turkey call. No, he's going to do it too in the mic. Uh, no, that's not bad. That's I'm not, not sure bad. if you can hear that in the that background. Do it actually, on the mic. Yeah. 
That that's actually pretty pretty realistic, yeah. actually. Well, this is this is actually do the, that on the mic. I don't want it. I, the I, thing I in your hand, it. Alex is holding this wooden thing. It's rubber. Rubber. Oh, okay, looks wood. Yeah, yeah. That's not bad. It sounds. That's not bad. So anyway, what are the rules in New Jersey if there's a turkey on my lawn? No. It's not mine. There's some birds that you can't kill. Yeah, you. It's in the season. I don't think turkey. And by the way, fall turkey season is just. It's a week. Are you serious? You have to wait, have wait. a license. Uh, so if it's on my lawn, it's not mine. No. What, especially not in this. Also, not in this county. But crazy. really, they can't. They can't really. I mean, do anything. If I catch it on a net and put it, take it into my basement. No one's really doing anything. <laughs> you live in a suburban town, Shayna. Yeah, like I'm people, in my backyard people. at 2 p.m. Yeah. Everyone's at work. Have you seen turkeys in your backyard? Yeah. You know there's why? Because there's no hunting around here. Yeah. So, but if you go to South Jersey, or What's you go South? to West Jersey, yeah. where people, by the way, you can get like a farmer's uh, permit, hunting permit. There, too. there was an imam in 1998, 97, 98, and or 99. An imam. We bought an imam from Egypt for Ramadan. He was from the what we call the Falahin, which is the farm areas. So we were we were driving home one day, and all of a sudden he said, "Stop, stop, stop, stop!" So my dad was like, "What? What's going on?" So we just pulled over into like a diner after Fajr, like no one was there, empty parking lot. He came out, he ran out, took his scarf, and started trying to chase the the pigeons. Right, <laughs> and we're like, "Oh no, no, we don't do this in this country." He's like, "What's the problem?" You know that other people did this too in California. There was a group. That they had local community picnics. The group got shut down. This is hilarious because two people, two guys from India or Pakistan, they came and they were caught uh, slaughtering birds in the bathroom sink. <laughs> so oh, let me tell you a story about that. Oh, so every 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 Muslim I know has had a relative slaughtered yeah. animal in their, so, in their bathroom. So somebody, somebody this was in the bathroom sink of the park, yeah. right? Oh, we'll be left. <laughs> oh man! So the That's park insane. rangers came. It was a big scene. They shut down the community park. That's hilarious. So uh, somebody told me this story. They, they might actually listen to this, so I'm not going to say who it is. Um, but one day, um, they, when they first recently moved to the when they first moved to the country, uh, they had an apartment complex in Patterson, and so in the apartment complex, I guess uh, his mother was slaughtering you know chickens, right? And and on a weekly basis, they would bring chickens, like live chickens, and they would keep them in the house and they would roam around. And then like every, you know, whenever they needed chickens, like they would just go into the other room, take a chicken, take it to the bathroom, and then slaughter it, uh-huh. right? So over time, you know, like a couple of weeks passed and the neighbors were like, you know, we're hearing like clucking noises. And so they told the landlord, like, hey, you know, like- What was, state is this in? This is in New Jersey in Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many hold live on, chickens in Patterson. Hold on, let me keep going. <laughs> So then uh, they're like, okay, there's clucking noises. So, you know, the, the landlord was like, you know, he came to knock a couple of times. And then one day he he, he just he just walks into the, the, into the apartment. He knocks. He's like, I need to come in right now. Right. Like there's been like a few complaints. People are hearing noises like, you know, there's chickens and things like that. We need to know what's going on. He walks in. Right. And uh, the mother is in the bathroom. She's slaughtering the chickens at the moment. The head is off and the blood is spurting like across the bathroom, across, you know, you know, the the walls and everything. He sees it. He's not a Muslim. He's nothing. He's so he's He's just like a regular regular non-Muslim guy. So he sees it and he sees this woman in the bathroom (laughs) slaughtering this chicken. He freaks out. And he's like, you need to get out wow. <laughs> immediately. Oh yeah. Oh, so the, you know, you know that the, the, <laughs> legally, you can't keep livestock indoors, like in an apartment. Yeah. But you can kill them for sure. It's <laughs> but fine. It's like a contradiction, I, I, right? I, I, like no, how like can you kill it without? Because like, if you have it. a backyard, 
You have an, uh, an outside space. Yeah. You can have like a chicken run. You don't even oh, okay. need that much room. And you bring it in your house and you can slaughter. It's not illegal to do that at yeah. all. Yeah. But it is illegal to keep them indoors. Mm. It's like a health code thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. In New Jersey, if you have uh, an acre or less, you can have six hens. That's one town. Every yeah. town has Every town's different. That's it's true. Insane. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So before we got, so you mentioned, you know, the four sports, right? Yeah. So all of those things, number one, they teach you patience, right? They absolutely teach you patience. It takes patience to become a good uh, fencer. It takes mm. patience to learn how to ride a horse and to learn how to interact with that animal. But also it teaches you ruggedness because mm-hmm. these things, except for maybe the, the swordsmanship, it's all done outdoors. Yeah. And so you're out of the house. You're not, your entertainment is not your phone. It's yeah. not YouTube. It's not Facebook. It's not stupidity. It's not Netflix. Your entertainment is actually out where the sun is shining, where you don't have to sit and watch eight hours of train videos. Mm. You're experiencing eight hours of life. And by the way, (laughs) there's hadith, for instance, of the Sahaba, where they were practicing their bow and arrow, right? And the time for Luhr had come in, and they were still shooting. And somebody said, come. And one of the major Sahaba said, leave them alone. They're in the Riyadh al-Jannah. SubhanAllah. Right? Yeah. Like those, the spaces between the targets, that's yeah. like gardens from paradise. Yeah. Because that skill will be used to save lives. Right? And and, and shahada yeah. comes from that skill. Right. If you didn't have that skill, you're not going to be in the army. The, uh, uh, you know, in, in their times. Here's something some someone recently said that I found was really intriguing. We are so sheltered and about everything. Who, if you, if you had to trust someone with your house, let's say, a thirteen-year-old from today or a thirteen-year-old from nineteen seventeen? No, it's not even a question. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, nineteen seventy. I take, I take yeah. a thirteen-year-old from nineteen seventeen over a twenty-five-year-old today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, I'm, I'm dead serious. By the way, you know, a hundred and fifty years ago, sixteen-year-olds were teaching college courses, like, there, and yeah. not because they were super geniuses; like they were done with school. Yeah, yeah. That's true. I mean, to the because we brought up the idea of slaughtering chickens, and uh, slaughtering chicken is not a big deal at all. It's not like a it's like twenty minute job. It's no big deal the at all. Feathers is the hardest part. Feathering yeah. is the hard. And now, if you just have boiling water, which we do it now, you just throw it in the boiling water. If you and do that, it like ninety percent of the there's a thing you can buy or maybe even make yeah. deep feather or something. Yeah, it's like it's like hand cranked. You know those machines that they use mm-hmm. at the slaughterhouses yeah. that spins the chicken and how it. Yeah, they have hand cranked ones. Yeah. They're, not, they're not, inexpensive it's, and it helps you out with the. It's not a complicated thing. And right. also, plucking the chicken used to be like a type of chore for kids, like sabr. They learn patience by pluck, pluck, pluck. And then uh, uh, today, you can't even touch a butter knife. You can't even butter. Uh, you get a 13 year old, he's probably not even allowed to use butter on his. Uh, <laughs> put the butter on his bread, right? There's just so many rules. Mommy will do it we can't you. even. <laughs> yeah. So I think that uh, these types of things, I honestly no think... No bread for breakfast, we have soylent. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly look at, always think of what Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab said, which was, <laughs> He said, be tough and rugged because blessings never last. That the comfort that you're in, it never lasts. Like, go down to Houston, a hurricane recently. So people had to go live, maybe at least for a week or two, in a very primitive way, right? So what are you going to do? Are you going to have a, a, a panic attack? Or you're just going to adjust, right? So I'm not saying people should live like this all the time. Obviously, that's totally impractical. But the idea of having to do stuff that is very primitive and having to sleep on the floor yeah. that should be, when it comes up, we should be ready for it at and, all times. And also just doing things that are super challenging, both mentally and physically, yeah. 
so that when you're challenged unexpectedly, you don't break down. That's exactly you're Emotionally, the point. you don't break yeah. down. Even and if physically you're like, yeah. what am I supposed to do about eight feet of water? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But emotionally, you'll be able to handle it. Because I'll tell you, it impacts your iman too. Of course. You say, oh my God, why is Allah doing this to me? Yeah. Oh, and I, by the way, I know a lot of Muslims that wrestle or do jujitsu and stuff, right? And of the ones that are like, there's some non-religious, but of the ones that are religious, that has only made them more religious. A, it's a sunnah. Yeah. So they're fulfilling a sunnah that very few people are. But B, it's toughening them up. Yeah. Emotionally, not just physically. And there is a degree of uh, spirituality which is neutral that if a Muslim has it, he will become a better Muslim. Just like if you know mantiq, logic, right? If you know where knowledge comes from, if you know how to verify information, and you enter Islam, you will likely be understand the deen better and, and do better at it, right? Right. So likewise... There is an element of spirituality which is neutral of all people. If you have it, and then you enter into iman, you'll you'll be faster. You'll do a better job. And part of that is being out in nature, right? Part of that is being accustomed to slow gratification, right? A slow path towards gratification. Someone who has a slow path towards gratification, you put him in Islam. I guarantee you, you know, all things, other things equal, will do way better than a modern person who doesn't have. And I'll, I'll say one last thing. Yeah. We're all living in most, all of us here, and a lot of the people that listen to this are living in like Western countries, right? And mm-hmm. if for some reason you find yourself, maybe for good reasons, not even bad reasons, you find yourself in the Muslim world, you got to get tough, man. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's, a, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the comforts that you have here. Well, the Muslim world is the, the uh, wild, wild east right now, anyway. Yeah. Right? Wild, the Muslim world is insane. I wasn't saying okay, yeah. Um, so in terms of um, like you brought up those uh, the, those points about like those so those four things: horseback riding, um, archery, wrestling, archery, wrestling, swordsmanship. You, swordsmanship. You mentioned one was swimming. Somebody said swimming. Swimming, swimming is swimming. huge. So is that like the, the, the Prophet the He swam both over the water, like what we call swimming, mm-hmm. and also dove. Yeah. So he would. There's huge wells in Arabia. And he would dive like deep, really, yeah. like and, way and they and in Medina they had pools, yeah. Like in Yemen they have pools. It's just literally yeah. like a pool. They put lime all along the bottom and the sides, and they fill it with water. Oh, they have they pools. Have pools like yeah. That. So oh. it, it was both the swimming above the water mm-hmm. and the diving, and he preferred the diving. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I never knew. Because you know that. the quietness yeah. under the water. Yeah, the ah. it's amazing, right? Mm. Like if you ever just go like in a pool where you feel safe or whatever, and you just dunk your head on and you stay there for a minute. It's very nice. It's an amazing thing. Well, people who dive, who are like, who like to a deep dive, they can go down for long periods, like free mm-hmm. diving. They'll be down there four, six minutes. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Wow. And, and you know what's, what's interesting is uh, I've been thinking about like these types of things myself. Like I've been thinking about taking up hiking, right? Get out there. Hiking is great. Um, because like you realize that there's, and especially things like we mentioned, like those five things. And I think like, I would even nowadays add like something like reading onto there, which is like it's essential. It's something that calms people down, slows people down. Um, obviously, it's not a, not not a physical activity, but you know, for all intents and purposes, right today it almost is right because it, it requires you to sit down, you know, uh, have patience, read through it, understand it. It's an active activity. You actually have to create an environment for reading now. Yeah, you have to table. You have to remove all your distractions. There's no yeah. sitting on a on a recliner or on a like big sofa doing. Mm-hmm. You have to need. You need. I yeah. mean, you could, but you could. it's uncomfortable. So you need a table. You need proper lighting. It's now, not self lit. Speaking of sports, 
which like the regular sports, uh, I think we didn't even need to backtrack because uh, most youth today uh, are gaming, right? Far more than they're playing actual sports. NFL NFL viewership is down steadily every year. It's insane. Really? Yeah, Yeah. it's not just this year because because Blue Lives Matters are complaining, Black Lives Matters are protesting. Blue Lives Matter. So what happened with the Um, (laughs) last last year? The NFL uh, struggled big time in ratings from week one. They all blamed the elections. So week one just happened. Well, they're down another like double digit, like thirteen percent. That's for, insane. The 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 Thursday night first game yeah. is down another thirteen percent from. Well, last does that year. have much uh, to do with Kaepernick? No, they, no I, I, think I it's doubt just, it. They've been they've been steadily going down. the The peak was twenty twelve. Yeah, so five because years. because they they thought it was Trump that people were watching Trump. Uh, Nobody was watching Trump in 2012 or yeah. or, or 13 or 14. Yeah. or <laughs> Like they're just. It's, so week one was down again. Yeah, it was That's down 13% insane. from the low of last year. That's insane. Is that right? Well, I, I didn't even know the statistics. So why? Yeah. I mean, there's still it was still the highest rated show on TV that night, right? Yeah. But it's going down. I don't know. I stopped I think watching that, sports five years ago. So yeah, yeah so, I think that uh, what I was saying is that y- young people and being a Muslim, like we three of us here grew up as teen, Muslim teens, right? And you're probably your dad. I was nineteen. I was nineteen. When okay, you're nineteen. Muslim, so actually, so, fit in. so you're and your dad probably wants you out of trouble too, right? Now with youth, they're gaming so much, right? And to, the idea of going from gaming to watching sports to playing sports, each one is an increment up, right? Right. And then you go up, and now you you spend your, the bulk of your time on the Sunnah sports, right? So, but we're we're like four rungs down, right? We're at video games, right? And I personally think that the, the the we Muslims should create a culture. We should force. We should work hard to create a type of a more resp- a type of study culture, a type of culture where you're using your time well, uh, because there are groups who do that. And we always talk about the uh, stereotype, which is a positive stereotype, is a positive stereotype: Indians and Chinese. These people study, right? It's I, a cultural phenomenon. It's a it's cultural not, it's phenomenon. Not, right? I would, that's like an actual cultural though. thing. Huh? They also play a lot of video games. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, but but, but they study the engineer right? types. Yeah, not the. By the way, I guarantee you, not the med students. Yeah, they, there's the, no time. Yeah, yeah. Unless like, unless you're, we know one is Egyptian uh, brother from a certain. I know town. med students. <laughs> while he was they're like in he, med he was like playing. He was playing. Uh, that uh, basketball game, yeah, he's okay. heating up. Whatever that one, oh, yeah. NBA yeah. Jam, NBA Jam. Oh my gosh! Like all the time, yeah, hanging out with his friends in med school, yeah. and doing his hips. <laughs> but that's somebody that <laughs> Allah has given. Yeah, that's got, that's someone who's but, Mashallah, Mashallah. But I mean, think about it. Uh, we need to create this culture because a lot of problems develop when people are unemployed, right? They're sitting around their homes, right? They become they're bumming out, and we should create a culture where youth are spending their time wisely and one of the things that tipped me off it sounds really bizarre but in reading biographies and seeing how youth grew up in the 50s and 60s right it was a much more wholesome life it was simple you did things that were good for your body you did things that were good for your brain right and you slept at a normal hour right Mm. and you respected your authority but and those are really the people who built up america right the people who built up America are not the '90s people, right? They're <laughs> so, not the '90s people. Right? So, th- so this is something I, I want to say counter to that because because mm-hmm. I've always wondered, you know, is this is this just me, you know, being like romantic about history in the past, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, like Saad and I, we grew up like uh, in the '90s, right? Um, 
I was a big gamer. I think Saad was as well, right? Uh, like mm-hmm. the the stereotype that you yes. just described, right? <laughs> yeah. That's that's both of us, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I grew up, you know, playing video games, yeah. then you know, moving to watching sports, right? Yeah. Like and and like you know, we're kind of played still, sports too. Yeah, I played sports too. Yeah. Uh, like and then you know, like we're kind of still gamers or whatever, right? And yeah. the, the 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 idea of like technology coming into our lives, right? It's it's sort of like I grew up with technology, yeah. right? Like I saw the birth of it, I saw it growing, like, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's sometimes I, I become like you know, which is like oh I you I get into this mode. It's like oh, it's technology which is causing all of our problems, right? Mm-hmm. It's technology which is you know bringing. No, no, no I don't from, think it is. No, no, no. But like my point is like it's is it just me thinking uh you know that outdoor activities like hiking swimming nature i love these things right and many times i think to myself like this is reason why like you know i'm you know always like sad and like i'm always in technology and i think that about my generation like is this just me thinking that or is that like objectively true oh yeah you know if you want to talk about empirical studies what's objectively true is that the prophet said do these things and mm-hmm. anything other than it is is bottle. Mm-hmm. So, whether there is a direct connection between you know the Malay, the general malaise of a certain generation, or their uh, emotional emotional fragility, or whatever else is going on, right? Whether that the connection can be made directly or indirectly through sociological psychological studies, the fact remains mm-hmm. that it is it is much better to be a little more, especially the men. Uh, like it's uh, better for us to be more rugged. I should. I believe that uh, uh, it is actually empirical. I don't know if you can ever empirically, but there are a lot of people who who, who do note that uh, learning with the le- the least factors possible, right, in development and childhood development, rend- makes someone more stable. So it's that in a in a child's life, if there are like five factors, like you go home, you go to school. You go to soccer practice. You go to the your church or your masjid. Let's say in the past they go to church, like our community. Go to the masjid, right? And you go to your friend's house. Like if you and you're repeating these five things, the emotional stability of that youth is far uh, superior to the emotional stability of someone who uh, has all these X factors, right? Now he's got a girlfriend. Oh, she's upset with him, and then his dad got divorced. His mom turned lesbian, and then, <laughs> right? All these types, and which are total realities. His right? mom turns his dad. <laughs> total realities, right? <laughs> these are total realities, and these kids get crushed, and these, it's, it's 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 really uh, traumatic for these kids, right? Yeah. So, which obviously, uh, if it was a good thing, then the kid should flourish when he finds out that his mom has become a, a guy, yeah. right? Things like that, uh, you know. So, if you look anecdotally, it's always the case that the simpler the childhood, right, the more emotionally stable. Well, right? I can give you semi-anecdotal. I would consider empirical uh, stats, right? So I deal with the criminal courts, and so I see people's background history. It's part of the it's part of what I do for for my job is I look at what people's entire background is, not just their criminal record, but mm. what's the what's the home environment? When did their parents split? Not if, by the way, almost it's never if. It's, it's almost always when. What kind of schooling did they have? When did they stop going to school? Mm-hmm. Um, what was the income level? And I got to tell you, very rarely do you get stable cohesive two-parent fa- family and a uh, a young person that's into criminality yeah older people yeah because sometimes older people are doing it for because of financial that, pressures whatever yeah but people like 25 and under yeah and i've been doing this for a long time almost a decade 
Mm. Almost without exception, when they come through, yeah, their parents split up at some point. Yeah. Usually, the usually pretty early on. Yeah, it just or we're never married. It's such a big deal, like just attaining that normal, what used to be considered normal childhood of the '60s, '70s. When I think back at those people in America, I look back and I find mostly, a lot of times, the Muslims, uh, Orthodox Jews, Catholics. They're the inheritors of that, right? They're the inheritors, who people who came in later. Uh, and the families that were affected by the hippie movement, their offspring, they're all like what you're saying. Like It's like scattered. It's yeah. The idea of every night you're sitting at the table eating dinner, right? Uh, it's gone. You know, those you, things are you, gone. You know what else kids used to do? Not that, not even that long ago, like in the 80s even? Yeah. It's like have jobs. Subhanallah. Yeah. Who do you? Yeah. How many? And I'm and not just or volunteering, like yeah, volunteering at the hospital kids, or something. Like yeah. kids from good fa- from families where they had a good income. Yeah, they still had an, like an after school job. Go yeah. save up some money. Yeah, you save up a thousand dollars. I'll put in the other nine and buy you a car. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But like this learning of responsibility. Yeah. In fact, uh, Sheikh Noor, he mentions that of the people that because you know part of what he does is help people be better Muslims. Right. Yeah. He said of the people that he meets. The most successful are the ones who like worked in their dad's business, mm-hmm. ran the candy store for their father yeah. you know, on weekends, yeah. who from a young age had responsibility and yeah. they know how the world works. They know how to work. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes he said, sometimes guys come in PhDs, pe- mm-hmm. men and women, and deadbeats almost. They don't understand the basic stuff. Yeah. And they don't, they don't think outside of whatever their field is. Yeah. That at, at every moment someone's paying for something. Yeah. Right? And th- what's the responsibility and the, of doing that and the right of the person who's paying. It's like the thing right. that I was that we were talking about when you first came over, Sheikh, about the the sink. Yeah. Like I can't call a plumber to change my to to put in a new faucet set. Yeah. I I would never I couldn't sleep that night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, like I I cut myself. Like yeah. it was rough. Uh, my elbow is all. Yeah. But whatever. I, I really think that uh, culturally speaking, I I'm a true believer in throwback stuff. Not just for because you you're right that there is a romanticism of the past but i actually do believe that our society has become too virtual and too complicated i actually think that school i'm not an educator but schools if i was to educate i would boil education down to like four things it would be four things like you're reading books studying a math textbook right maybe doing some sport that has some benefit Mm -hmm. right like be in a swimming class being in some a track or something that has some benefit. And then maybe you have something else. Eventually, you're going to have to learn some science, right? But <laughs> it's got to... Look, like, eventually, <laughs> let's say you're passing like fourth, fourth, fifth grade, you're going to have to do science. But it's really that simple. I don't understand why schooling, and it's not. I'm not blaming any principals or schools, it's like the whole industry is so complicated. Yeah. Why are there eight subjects? Why... Huh? In oh, sense? in this in the sense that there's in, a lot of if, subjects. If I mean, there's just the a lot schools. of stuff. There's a lot yeah. of domains. Yeah, but I'm telling you, are there no? There, there are really two, three yeah. domains. It's English, yeah, reading, and all that it entails. Mm-hmm. It's including history, which includes history. Well, so, that's, but that's right? just a categorization. But that's, that's just what a it is. Like, like the volume of knowledge hasn't changed. That no, you no, have to here's, study. Here's the thing, though. Right? If you have a if you have a fifth grader who's ten. 10 or 11 years it's old. Eight, it's it, it is like it's like 35 minute period. Yeah. yeah. In high school. Yeah. You run and then you have like to run between classes yeah. in the hallway. And you should see these kids instead of sitting in a class for 3 hours 
doing like one the, activity, a bu- a the verbal skills. Yeah. yeah. And, and the SATs doesn't test 85 subjects. It's two, math and verbal. Let me tell you, I'm, I, uh, I'm like an adult, right? I look, I, every day I have a to-do list. If I have more than three things, I can't do it. It's like three, maximum four things that I can do. Kids 10 years old, nine years old, they got like eight subjects. They got amount of folders. They got folders. They're confused, right? Language arts is one folder. Uh, reading is another folder. Writing is another folder, right? Oh my gosh, it's like unbelievable that no one is realizing that this is way too complicated, right? Into a lot of trouble. But is that like a new thing? Because I remember language arts was just like that included everything. I remember having going to school. Language arts is just reading and writing. We had social studies. My brother teaches. It's just reading and writing. Science, history. Going to school was this. The five, the five subject notebook. Yeah. Right. All the subjects. One tab was math. One tab was English. One tab was social studies. One tab was science. You bought two pencils, right? Two pencils for the year. Okay. If you you bought a trapper keeper for your papers, that was the coolest thing. If someone came in with a pencil case, oh my gosh, these people were like, <laughs> what the heck is this? Stop showing off with your pencil case, right? With the compass. With the, with the compass, right? With the sharpener. Okay. Yeah. We had the sharpener in the back of the room. Why do you need to buy a sharpener? Yeah. Like you're showing off. Or personal your, sharpener. That was it. You had four or five textbooks. You carried them home. Today... What do kids do? Luggage. I didn't have. It's a I didn't Samsonite have a backpack until like six. Yeah, I'm telling you. I, I carry I, my books in my hand. Do you know that kids today they don't even have backpacks? It's a Samsonite. I'm telling you, piece of luggage that he's dragging because By it's the way, too heavy. But he's dragging it from the front door to the car. Yeah, he's dragging it like two. It's not like he's walking home. He's not walking the one mile, right? <laughs> so oh. I just feel that our world is. And there's a lock on there too because those books are expensive. Nobody <laughs> opening that and stealing it. <laughs> in the no. future, it's not even going to be a book. It'll be a laptop. Right? They'll just give out yeah. a laptop. I mean, they do. They already do. The current, that's the present. In my wife's district, they they, they, they use the like iPads for yeah. kids. By I, the way, this is something that's yeah. empirically verifiable. Steve Jobs, when the iPad two was coming out, I think, or the three, yeah. um, they asked him, "What do your kids think about it?" And he was like, "Well, they haven't touched it yet. They haven't <laughs> played with that one. <laughs> like yet. Not we to limit use. their access to yeah. this kind of technology. And that's what a lot of tech folks. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of Silicon Valley people who know what they're doing. They like if you go to school in Silicon Valley, you go to one of the schools. There's no iPad learning. There's no technology. There's no smart boards. There's chalk. There's blackboards and there's books and writing by hand. I even heard that. Speaking of like industrial leaders who don't want their kids involved, Madonna herself was. I, I I think I heard one time she didn't want her kids involved in her daughter involved in music. Yeah. You know? So they people see the evils of these things. Yeah, Billy Joel was famously so said that. Um, see those videos that she was on. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, Billy, yeah, I don't know about that stuff. I don't know how you know about that stuff. And no, how I'm do you know kidding. about that stuff? That's way before you. <laughs> but uh, Billy Joel said, if uh, Satan had an industry, he'd be in the music industry. Yeah, if he, he had is. to work. Well, he is. <laughs> he is. Um, so uh, I think we're hitting a bit of time. Uh, you know, is there any final last comments? No. It's just so f- funny how I don't know how we started, but we the conclusion is I really believe in um, uh, emptying out as much as possible, simplifying as much as possible. It allows you to focus, allows your brain right to calm down, and it could be in the studies, right, the subjects that we study, activities that we do, the factors and things in life. And also stuff, right? If you enter a home that has a ton of stuff in it, your mind won't. It, your, your mind it's wanders. It's right. cluttered. But if you enter the house, right, and there is like, you can see quickly where everything is, right? Then uh, it's a. T- you just have to try it. 
it has a big effect on people. And we Muslims, we have to be analytical about the culture that we live in. We shouldn't just follow. Prophet said, Don't be just an animal that follows the rest of the herd. Right? We got to go against the grain of modern life in so many ways for our own health benefits. Right? And let me add another thing, not really related. Speaking of reading, we talked about reading. People actually don't know uh, what it takes to be a reader. Like, you want to be a reader. And people say, oh, I'll buy this great book after I finish everything I have. This is the worst thing. The actual way to be a reader is to be constantly building up your library to the point that you don't even know what you have anymore. You forgot what you have. Absolutely. That every night you come in and you look at your library, right, your shelves, you buy a couple shelves, and then you realize, oh, my God, I didn't even know I had this book. All of a sudden, you're reading it, right? And That's Amazon. Brilliant. That's Yeah. Amazon, you can buy the used like new for a buck. Literally, the book is a buck. And right? I, I can I can verify this. I do this all the time. Like I have yeah. so many books that I'll just pick it up and I'm reading and then I'm like 30, 40 minutes into it. And uh-huh. I'm just like, and I have so many books that I've started. Yeah. They're halfway. Like I finished books like three years later. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, oh, I finally picked it up and I finished yeah. it. Right. Yeah, okay. and that's fine. Exactly. Like I have yeah. a I have a bookshelf of the books that I refer to regularly, mm-hmm. right? And then I have boxes. Like in store, yeah. I'm sure the next time I move, yeah, I'll open those boxes and I'll go. Subhanallah, this is a great book. Yeah. I wish I had. Uh... Yeah, and books are um, uh, they come and go. Certain books are st- the, they last, and some co- books come and go. Like uh, political books come and go. Like you don't need a political book from 20 years ago is completely irrelevant today. So you 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 pass it, it on. It was irrelevant as soon as it was published. <laughs> Honestly, because the, the, yeah, no, I'm true. The, because... the publishing lag, right? Yeah, You're talking about yeah. The lag. Like, yeah. if true. somebody's researching writing sitting even if it takes them three months yeah and then it gets published and then you bought it the situation's changed yeah right? that's what was going on last year yeah exactly. and look at how fast our politics changes exactly yeah it's yeah. irrelevant as soon as you received it exactly so political books come his history books stay last obviously yeah. right uh biographies last and and they can improve you can have sections on multiple people write biographies of people um you know Things like that. So I think books is a big yeah. deal. I mean, if you want to read something cutting edge, what you want to do is, is go to like stuff that addresses current issues, right? So like Dawkins writes the God delusion. Somebody writes the Dawkins delusion, right? The dog delusion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> dog delusion. <laughs> or, or, yeah. or something like that, right? This is stuff that's addressing current stuff. Yeah. Um, Did you know that atheists are actually, un, like old school atheists, are actually really unimpressed with people like Dawkins? I always tell yeah, people, if you want to know what people yeah. think of Dawkins in that movement, look up John Gray, yeah. G-R-A-Y. Old school atheist. He, well, right? he's, a, he's an atheist, he's a philosopher, he's a British philosopher. He wrote a review of The God Delusion, yeah. um, I think for The Guardian. It's really brilliant. good review. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm. He rocks Dawkins, though. Yeah, yeah. He, just, he points out that Dawkins is, he's supposed to be doing philosophy of science. Yeah. As an atheist, he's a bad philosopher, he's a bad scientist, and he's a bad atheist. Yeah. And he's a bad author because as a, an author has to research, right? <laughs> His commentary on Islam is clearly he did not crack a book no, on no, Islamic no, they theology. Yeah. They never do. Like yeah, literally didn't crack do. a book. No, they don't. They but go, they, they, I, I know. First of all, I, I, that's giving them too too much credit. Yeah, There's absolutely no way that they, they would ever actually crack a book on Islam that's not mm-hmm. written by Ayana Hirsi yeah, or Imagine Nawaz or one of those yeah. other people. Which actually brings up another point because a lot of people want me to get involved in uh, a response to Jordan Peterson. I haven't had time for it. Maybe you could do it. Peterson, I, so in, I, in terms I, of I Islam. Like no, no, I no, know. No, for Islam only. I've listened to his Islamic stuff, yeah. right? First of all, he's a Christian. Yeah, big time. Like, which is, a, is better than most people that are uh, bet, yeah. on TV, right? Yeah. Um, 
he openly admits that he doesn't know much about Islam. Mm-hmm. He knows he feels enough so that that he knows that Islam is different from. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I want to argue with that. I, he says Islam is. A, he like I saw him talking recently about Judaism and Christianity mm-hmm. and their 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 direction and the, the direction that they take mankind, right? And how he said Islam is a totally different. And he wasn't saying it necessarily in a critical way. He was like, I don't know that you could apply like this Jungian analysis to to the Quran. He was like, it's a completely different animal, mm-hmm. and that and left it at that. And that's actually true. I think that uh, there's a brother on Twitter sent me a message, said that uh, he actually has arranged a call with Peterson. Mm-hmm. And he asked for my help. Unfortunately, I've been way just too busy. I couldn't do it. And I, it looks like on his website, you can arrange to call him, right? Yeah, he's and very he's open. A guy, he's a guy I think that we should talk to, right? Sure. I don't mind that he... I don't expect him to be like an ally in on the issue of Islam. But I would think a lot more than he... than. Uh, for, uh, I expect a lot more from him than to, for him to be like having Ayan Hirsi Ali on his podcast. I think that's absurd, right? So if you maybe I should connect you because y- you might be, you know, uh, you know, better suited to actually discuss things with him and just get him off that track, right? Well, so why is he with hanging out with that type of person? Well, because he like everything else exactly that he why. criticizes, she would support. I'll tell you exactly why. Because yeah. there's a can- another Canadian professor. Who also does evolutionary psychology, who is uh, a Lebanese Jew, mm-hmm. Gad Saad. I don't know him. Yeah, he puts his garbage. Mm. So Gad Saad is a super Islamophobe. Of course, he's Lebanese Jewish, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's a total. Gar- he's total. He's worse than any of the other ones. Mm. Um, and but he also has similar political views on other stuff like the the whole pronoun thing and all of that. And he came out very supportive of Jordan. When he first came out talking about that stuff in yeah. Canada, and you know they're they're in academia in the same city and in the same field, so that's the influence. Maybe so, and that guy loves Ayan Hirsi. Every all, okay. all these Islamophobes love her, and I hate to use that term Islamophobe, yeah. but just as an easy, you yeah. know, which is amazing because when when an entire government discredits a person, tells a complete liar, publishes that she's an app, there's a direct liar, right? And yet our country and and and. and, and or like welcoming her. Walid Shobat still goes around giving lectures to like security agencies yeah, as if he didn't ridiculous. make up his entire yeah. background. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So uh, <laughs> uh, 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 let's wrap this up. Uh, oh, so on the wrap up, I just wanted to, can I leave people with one thing? Sure. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to cut out the last five minutes of that. Why is that? Because <laughs> we just went off topic. It's okay. It's the same topic. <laughs> sort of. It's all the same. <laughs> um, don't cut us out, man. <laughs> well, I bet you we'll get a lot of a lot of discussion on the Jordan Forces Peterson comments. Yeah, it's very important. Yeah. So what I, what I would say is just challenge yourself. And if you're not into any of, the, if you don't like getting dirty and you don't like going outside and you're scared of sharp objects and you're scared of big animals, whatever, and you don't you don't like to get wet, do yoga, like mm-hmm. a hard yoga class, or you know, cuts. Do something else from the sunnah. Better yet, sleep. Give yourself one day a week where you sleep, and a weekday, not on a weekend, where you only sleep five hours and then get up and go to work. Mm-hmm. And challenge yourself to something difficult. Challenge yourself to something physically difficult that'll toughen you up emotionally. I mean, Muslims fast, mm. for God's sake. Like, this yeah. is, it's not, it's not unimportant. I would say it's probably, probably the hardest thing. Tahajjud. <laughs> I think for God's sake. Yeah. Fasting would actually <laughs> probably be the hardest thing that you listed. Right, right. of course. Fasting is probably the hardest especially, thing. Especially in, this, in yeah. these last few years. Yeah. Um, or pray to Hajjid is mm. it's tough, and in fact, Good. nobody prays to Hajjid except that Allah invites them. It's like Subhan Hajj. Allah. Subhanallah, that's true. 
So, alhamdulillah, let's wrap up. You know, thank you, uh, guys. It was uh, uh, wonderful. Well so, inshallah, let's wrap it up. Uh, and so I want to apologize because on Moeen's behalf, because he always cuts us short, and I know that you guys like a longer podcast. Yeah, no, were, no, that's not me. Don't, don't throw me under the bus like yeah. that. Moeen's always like, <laughs> we're not we're, sorry. We're, we're getting get, too long. You guys get what long. you get. <laughs> what did you say? I said, we're not sorry to the listeners. <laughs> yeah, we're you not. Guys, you guys get exactly how much we're willing to give on any <laughs> given week. So, alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's call it a night. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.